Welcome to Art Matters at Home, a new arts and culture podcast from Philips. I'm your host, Arnold Lehman. After a half century in the art world, mostly as a museum director in Baltimore and Brooklyn, and five years at Philips as senior advisor, which means someone who is old, knows a lot of people, and isn't shy about voicing opinions, hosting an interview series like this seems like a perfect fit for me. So for each episode, like today's, I'll be at my desk having a socially distanced, at home conversation with friends from around the world, artists, dealers, museum directors and curators, collectors and critics, to learn from them how and what they are doing and what is on their minds today and for tomorrow. I'm so thrilled to see my good friend, uh, Anne Pasternak, who of course uh, I have been separate from, as we all are, these many months. And it's a delight, Anne, to have you. I think everyone uh, in the immediate world knows that you are director of the Brooklyn Museum and have done such fabulous things over the past five years. It doesn't seem possible that it's only five years. And then of course, for 20 years before that, uh, was director and curator uh, of, I would say, the most exciting visual arts organization without a building in the entire world, Creative Time in New York. No one did more engaged, um, imaginative, creative, community-oriented, events and projects than creative time. So it's 25 years of unbelievable creativity. I'm exhausted just saying that, <laughs> but- Imagine how I feel, Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you don't show it. The, uh, that's important, that's an important thing. So, but um, you know, we're all facing, I think, um, a world that's completely different over the past couple of months, past couple of weeks. I, I firmly believe that it's a world that is, has evolved and is headed with all the angst, with all the turmoil, a world that is going in the right direction, particularly in the United States. And, you know, I thought that no one better than, than you um, to at least address that part of it that you've been directly involved in. And I'd love to know, you know, what, what you believe the museums and artists all over can, in ways they can help and get involved. And uh, you just told me before we went on air that you're back, um, because, um, there's a program of distribution of food coming out of the Brooklyn Museum. And uh, you're there in the midst of it. Anyway, I should stop talking and say, I mean, the two of us on one program, it has to be a week-long program. <laughs> well, 
Arnold, thank you for having me. I love you and I miss you. And I'm glad that you're in, in, in the summer house in Maine. Um, and I just wanna say thank you also because um, I inherited from you a remarkable mission, a remarkable institution that has long cared for community. It's been in the DNA of the Brooklyn Museum from its very beginning and you got that and you upheld it. And the work that I'm able to advance today is only because of the foundations that you built way ahead of your time, way ahead of your time, Arnold. So thank you. Um, but you know, that's, it's great to have a eulogy in advance of the date. <laughs> Stop it. So, so let's talk about how the museum has pivoted a bit. Because um, in, in fact, uh, Arnold, before we even go there, I want to say that the board and staff and I have been pondering a question over the past few years um, about how we can serve our community even better. So, you know, you invented First Saturdays, right? And we see how much our community loves that. And you and I have both upheld a pay what you wish, even free admission for the institution, because we know that we want our local communities to really be able to participate fully in the museum, right? Um, and we've taken on topical issues. Um, from ra issues of racial equity to uh, uh, gender equity, LGBTQ rights, et cetera. You've done such fundamental work. And, you know, I was, I've been really inspired looking at some other cultural models lately. For example, Board and I were talking about the World Conservation Society. Arnold, you and I will remember when we used to call it the Bronx Zoo. But sometime along the line, the Bronx Zoo, where you used to go see the bears and the elephants, became a place that lobbied around the world and educated about the natural habitats that were in crisis from the very animals that are at the zoo, right? Take a look at the Brooklyn Public Library. How remarkable is the Brooklyn Public Library? They went from being a place for books to being a place of sharing knowledge. It's been an explosively creative time. And I often think to myself, what if a museum were to have that same kind of invention? If we were not only to shape um, the conversations of our day through exhibitions and education and public program, but we were actually to advance social change, what would that look like? And I've been thinking a lot about service to community. So as soon as COVID hit, rather than it being a time of retreat, we decided it would be a time to flex some Brooklyn Museum muscle? And how could we go further in serving our community than we already did? And so, for example, as you noted, uh, we um, have started a partnership last week with the Campaign Against Hunger, a wonderful organization out of Bed-Stuy that's been feeding our community for decades. And ever since COVID hit, you know, the hunger issues, the health insecurity, the housing insecurity, the job insecurity, the issues are so huge for our local community. And we thought, how, how can we help? Well, one of the, the easiest and fastest things we could do was to start providing food for our, camp, for our community through this partnership with the Campaign Against Hunger. They've been serving millions of meals in the past three months, millions of meals. So um, why not? Why can't a, a museum also be a food distribution site? We're already a site for polling and voting and you know high school graduations and all sorts of things. Why not food distribution? Um, and our community is very, very grateful. The need is great and uh, they, they have been very active. It's been, it's been really rewarding participating in this project. 
That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, you but know, it shouldn't it's, be, Arnold, you know, it shouldn't be amazing. Why wouldn't museums be doing Oh, you're right. You're right. That's the wrong word. It should be uh, typical. That's the word. Um, and I think, you know, what's happened uh, and beyond uh, what you're doing now in feeding, helping to feed part of the community, is making stronger ties with other organizations, most of which, much of which I did was museum-centric. What could we do inside the walls of the museum? And we reached out, but nothing like what's going on today. So that's, I mean, that's terrific. Forget the word amazing. That is terrific and should be applauded. And particularly um, when, uh, I mean, these last 10 days, two weeks have been, as I said before, um, helping us to evolve in our thinking about uh, racism, about about community, um, and the, the, the great, I think the great model, one of the great models is Brooklyn. The, uh, I can't comment about policing in Brooklyn because I don't know much about that, but I do know that there is a strong tie between all of the communities in Brooklyn, unlike most other places, you never feel you never feel strange any place in Brooklyn where you might be walking. And, you know, I go back to the Crown Heights riots. But since then, uh, when their detente was struck, that detente became community. Not everywhere, not with everybody, but with a vast majority of Brooklynites. So I always, in conversations, uphold. Brooklyn as a model that people really should get into it. And I was frankly annoyed at the media coverage because instead of covering Brooklyn and its communities and its millions of people, it's focused exclusively, of course, on the looting the beginning. And then it went into these wonderful protest rallies. But there's so much more to this community than that. And I think the, the country should take a real look at Brooklyn to see how we all work together. You know, it's it's really true because um, Brooklyn has been a center of the protests. And in fact, uh, many nights and many days, uh, they uh, end up stopping in front of the museum uh, to be able to express their desire for social change. And that symbolically has meant a great deal to us. In fact, Arnold, I'm not sure if you're aware, but we opened our bathrooms to the public, including the protesters, uh, you know, last week, uh, because there's no place for them to go. So we wanted to make the museum uh, part of the solution for them, because this is a moment of really exciting change. So as much as it's painful and we all mourn and grieve over the loss of, of lives tragically, in this case, um, most recently, George Floyd, um, and I don't have words for it. But what I can say is that 
we are seeing something that I know I haven't seen in my lifetime, and, and certainly not since the Black Lives Matter movement began, which is a huge outpouring of non-Black people fighting anti-Black racism. There's so many, for example, white people on the streets. It's breathtaking. This young generation is saying, I'm not taking it anymore. We want equity and we are part of the solution. And, and in fact, white people must be part of the solution because we must dismantle white supremacy, which, this are the, which is part of the foundations of this nation. It's just undeniable. And so this is a moment where it feels to me that there is really palpable change happening. And it's really exciting. And at the museum, we want to be a part of that solution. We want to be doing our part to really stand up and contribute to this, motion, this movement uh, in ways that are going to just create greater opportunity for our communities, that there'll finally be proper uh, resources for education. There'll be green spaces. There'll be proper you know, health and uh, community services. There's just so much that we should have all along been investing in our communities. And that's a big part of what this movement is about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it is wonderful to think of the museum as a, a core point uh, for so much that can happen. It, it's, you know, it's really revolutionary in a sense that um, we, we always thought that the museum through its exhibitions and education programs was a magnet and a very important magnet to bring people to us, to engage with people, to mix it up with people um, not everything they saw they liked or they thought was right, but um, I think that we knew we were on the right path. Almost every time the critics said, what are they doing? This doesn't belong in a museum. And so that was like, you know, someone saying, you just won an Academy Award. Um, the, more <laughs> the more they criticized and said, this isn't the museums to do, the more we felt that we should be doing it. And you have certainly taken that to a whole different level. You know, um, Arnold, museums became ossified. You know, I, I was one of those things I really struggled with for the first, um, you know, few years at the museum. Why is it okay to have Monet and the Fiesta wear that I eat off of every single day, but it's not okay to do a show with David Bowie, who is one of the most influential cultural figures of the 20th century, right? And I've always struggled with why, why was it okay to do some things and then we just stopped experimenting and we stayed static as a field. And young audiences today are like, uh-uh-uh, you need to change and get with the program. They get that museums are important. They get that cultural organizations are larger are important because they know what we know, right? That culture leads to the social change that leads to the political, economic, and policy change that we must have. And so we do have an important role to play. It's extremely satisfying. And you know, you mentioned education. And when I came to the museum, one of the popular terms we bandied about was this idea of fostering the radical imagination. 
I'm sure many people who are listening in have had this term, the radical imagination. And you know, this is a period of really mind-blowing radical imagination. When people are talking about no prisons and defunding the police, I immediately go, what? We need police. What? You know, serial killers and rapists must be in prison. But what they're really saying is this is a time to reimagine what our society, a healthy society looks like and how we can design that and not rely on all the old systems. And, and so for me, I'm like, wow, how can the museum participate in fostering some of those, those new ideas, some new thinking that could really help reshape our society? Where, how are artists going to participate in that and how are we going to support them in the process? Well, I'm glad you brought up um, the participation of artists. And I was wondering, um, what is happening in that regard in Brooklyn? Are, are the artists coming out and, and engaging directly, um, both the um, black artists and the white artists? I mean, Brooklyn, of course, um, was the universal center for artists uh, over the past couple of decades. And where artists go, change comes. I mean, we see that in, we see that wherever it's happened in the past. Um, and I'm just wondering what's happening with that giant and vibrant community. And before I stop saying this, I love the term radical imagination. You know, I'm up here in the woods and we mostly commune with trees. So, our radical imagination is thinking somewhat differently, but I'm glad you planted that seed because at some point I'm coming back into civilization and I'm really going to think about that. And I, and the few people that I've spoken to have grabbed onto this idea of defunding the police and have been distraught about that. And I'm glad you said what you just said, which gives me the kind of the words, the ammunition, the, the, the thinking that's necessary to help them and me understand. You know, I know that, they, that it wasn't meant that we have no one protecting us, um, but I'm so glad you explained it in that fashion. It's really helpful. Now back to artists. Well, Arnold, I'm not sure what artists are doing. I'm now a museum director, so I'm not the best. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Push this side, Anne. Push this side. <laughs> but I will. I w and I'm, I'm really off of social media right now for just self-preservation reasons. <laughs> but um, I, did, I did see, for example, a post, I confess, from our friend Hank Willis Thomas. And he was at the protests in Brooklyn. Uh, they were at Cadman Plaza West, you know, almost every day for the past week. And there at the entrance of the Brooklyn Bridge, he has his sculpture, the Black oh, yeah. Arm Rays, right? And this is his moment. This, this is the defining moment. This is what that sculpture was about. And, you know, we see our board member, Titus Kafar, has a, a, the most incredibly moving cover of Time Magazine this week. Oh, I, I saw it. 
Oh, it's, it's so amazing. And, um, you know, they're donating the proceeds of the sale of those covers. So just order one online and they're 30 bucks to um, Next Haven, his, his uh, program in New Haven, which is just phenomenal. If you haven't been there, it's a must visit. So, but at any rate, you know, I think artists are reflecting and they're going to be all sorts of strategies. And, you know, one of the things I can say is it's about time that our cultural institutions stood up and simply said this one fundamental truth, black lives matter. That should not be so hard, right? Oh. Uh, for and some people, you know, that's gonna be their dying breath, uh, but, and, but- And they'll regret it when they look back on their lives and they realize they did not stand up in this moment and say the most decent and basic thing they could possibly say, and then really think about acting on that. How are we doing? What are we doing in our hiring processes? What are we doing in our training processes? How are we helping to advance the pipeline for people of all backgrounds to be able to work in museums? And by the way, not just museums. I'm, I'm always amazed that galleries get off uh, uh, scot-free in this situation because uh, there's certainly more money there in many cases. But at any rate, um, you know, in our field in general, I don't mean to pick on just galleries, but our field in general, we really need to think about what is the real work we're doing. And right now on social media, a lot of artists, in particular Black artists, are very angry at institutions because they'll put up an image by a Black artist and it'll make them look woke. But in fact, at the end of the day, they haven't been doing the real work. So we need to look at ourselves as individuals. We need to look at ourselves as a team. Let's say the Brooklyn Museum, we do a lot of, we have a lot of conversations. We have plans. We're constantly revisiting them. We have really healthy, open, and sometimes very difficult conversations. It's the works you're buying. It's the artists you're showing. It's the exhibitions and the issues you're taking on. It's the way you approach education. It's the way you approach your messaging. It's got to be in the DNA of everything that we do. And the time has come. Our field must wake up. It's exhausting for having this conversation for decades for many of our, our black and brown colleagues. And it's time that our institution stood up and finally did what was needed and what is right. Well, for sure, um, we have to stop turning to um, black activists, black artists, black intellectuals for providing the answers. I mean, they've been talking about how to face these problems for, I can't even count the years. Right. It's time for you, for me, and for other uh, leaders in the white community to start approaching ways to answering those questions. Um, because it's, it's an unfortunate reality that we're the ones that are gonna be listened to at least to begin with. Um, and it's, it's yeah, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people over the past couple of weeks to try to get a feel, a better feel for what people are thinking. I see what people are doing, but what people are thinking. And the, and the response I've gotten is stop turning to me. Do it yourself. You have to do it yourself. And you said that at the beginning of our conversation, the responsibility 
is within the white community. Um, and there, there's no way of getting around that. We are always thinking that we don't know the answers. The black community has to know what is going to work. Well, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous and it's lazy, it's lazy thinking, right? The resources are out there. They're abundant. If you're not reading them, if you're not listening to them, then you're a part of the problem. It's time to get informed. And white people have to stop feeling so fragile. Oh, somebody doesn't like me. I might make a mistake. Get over it. So what? We make mistakes. We learn from them. We grow. We do better. That's called being a human being. But not doing anything leads to violence against black people. Not acceptable. Right. Exactly. Um, and by the way, the more institutions that, that participate, the harder it is for people to fight, you know, boards and staff that may feel uncomfortable with these issues. You know, it's the, the more that join us in, uh, and I don't mean us as in the Brooklyn Museum, but those of us who are listening who are part of um, working hard to try to be part of the solution. Um, you know, the more who join us, the harder it is going to be for others to delay and avoid. I think you just said it all. Um, and I knew that having this conversation with you would, one, I'd learn and if nothing else, radical imagination is going to stay with me forever. Anyway, I really want to thank you. Um, the museum could not be in better hands. And, you know, you've always, you've always thought about community above and beyond anything else. And bringing, uh, connecting art and the community uh, is what you've always been about. And I'm really proud uh, that you're a friend of mine and that you're at the museum. Arnold, it goes both ways. I've learned so much from you. You are a true trailblazer, and I could never have done the work that I, we've just started to do at the museum had you not laid all these incredible foundations. So Remember that paragraph for the eulogy as well. Okay, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you. Now get out there and start working. I am. Thank you so much. Love Good you. to see you. Take it. Love you too. Bye.